Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Okay, I've put the panic button back under its plastic cover. We don't need it. The Rockets pull out game two, 127 to 105, not just pull it out. They, they, they crush things against the Warriors. My co-host, R.G. Seal, with me. And so let me ask you this. Do you, do you carry around like a panic button briefcase? Is that kind of like with the nuclear codes and stuff? Is that kind of how your panic button is? You're just always, you know kind of carefully guarding that thing. Well, if you, if you live in Houston and, and you've watched the the Rockets in the playoffs with James Harden, you, you'd sort of need that panic button in that briefcase, yeah. don't you? <laughs> well, we've seen Harden over the years, yeah, in the playoffs and everything. But, hey, I must say he's been he's been really good. You know, I know he had, didn't have quite the shooting night in game two. We'll get to that in just a second. But I, you know, I've been a lot more impressed with him in this year's playoffs. And, of course, that's also due to the addition of Chris Paul and sharing those leadership duties. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with James Harden is the numbers might not have been quite as big as they were in game one, but this is the type of James Harden that you need. You need him to pass the ball, give it up to other guys, let them do their thing. And hey, the others, the guys not named James Harden and Chris Paul, they actually were aggressive. Trevor Reza got things started off, was super aggressive early in the game. Uh, quietly, and I say quietly because not not a ton of people were talking about this after the game, but he was seven of nine, uh, one of three from three-point range. He scored 19 points, but he got the Rockets going early on, and you didn't need James Harden and Chris Paul to carry the load. Now, you're not going to get eight of nine from P.J. Tucker and five of six from three and 22 points all the time, but you know, like we've said, I think, I say this like we've said, everybody has said this, the Rockets absolutely need Eric Gordon and you finally got the Eric Gordon that you were hoping to get this entire playoffs I mean this is probably his third good game but this is really the Eric Gordon that they need against Golden State 27 points he was plus 29 when when he was on the floor 8 of 15 6 of 9 from 3 RG and it's those other guys that have to do it and sadly it's the other guys that have got to do it it looks like without Ryan Anderson or Nene and frankly, Luke Mbamute now uh, might be in Mike D'Antoni's doghouse, and, and rightly so. Yeah, I, uh, getting back to Eric Gordon, first of all, to get back to your first point there, I mean, he had a sensational game, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the, the three-pointers that he was able to drain. I remember there was that one that he had with Draymond Green just all over him, and he shot a three-pointer just falling backwards, and it went in, and you were like, this guy's just red hot tonight, and uh, you know, that's exactly that is a type of Eric Gordon that you're going to need in the playoff series in order to beat the Warriors, because we know that the Golden State has Kevin Durant, all world, maybe the best NBA player, not named LeBron James. Right. Uh, then you have somebody like a Steph Curry, two time MVP, already a, a superstar, one of the greats of the NBA. And then you have Clay Thompson, you know, who's your third scorer there. And he's sometimes uh you know, thought of as an afterthought and next to those other two. But this guy is like would be an all pro, the best player on many teams in the NBA. So you just can't forget about him. Of, of course, they still have Draymond Green and Igua, uh, Andre Iguodala. But, you know, for scoring purposes, the Rockets need that third person to match with James Harden and Chris Paul. And that's what Eric Gordon gave them. So and, you know, like what you were just saying, getting contributions from the supporting players from a PJ Tucker, you know, you can't expect them to go off the way that they did. I mean, the Rockets ended up shooting uh, from three point field goal percentage. They had uh, 38.1%. They were 16 out of 42. 
I mean, that that's still, you know, when you mention those numbers, they're kind of heavily weighted towards Eric Gordon and, and P.J. Tucker. You're not going to get that P.J. Tucker making all those threes again. But, you know, you have these guys on the court. And uh, if they're contributing, you have a Trevor Ariza in there who played a, a good game as well. I mean, all that's important. But having those big three, Gordon, Paul, Harden, I mean, that's going to be essential if the Rockets are going to win this series. And, and to your question about Luke Mabuabute, he might be in Mike uh, D'Antoni's doghouse right now because he played in the first half, didn't play or garbage time in the second, I guess. But he, he played in the first half and he, again, missed those layups, kind of what you were mentioning. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit ginger around the basket and uh, didn't want to, you know, try to uh, dunk the ball because of his shoulder. And he's just missing the layups. You can't miss layups. You can't give away opportunities at Golden State. Yeah, I don't know if it's he can't. What he's saying is he don't want to try dunks because of because of his shoulder. But it's not this necessarily you need him to dunk the ball. You don't need to put your arms on the rim and do all that sort of stuff. I don't know if he just can't even put the ball over the rim. I mean, is if is he can't he doesn't have the range of motion in his shoulder to do that because I guess that's the issue. It's not dunking because then yeah, if you pull your you know arms on the rim, obviously you got a chance to rip your rip it out of your 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 uh, your shoulder out of socket doing that. But uh, you know, yeah, that that's an issue because now the Rockets we talked about their depth all season. And we're basically down to seven guys, two guys coming off the bench. It's Gerald Green and Eric Gord. Gerald Green, that you're, you got your fingers crossed. He's not going to hurt you too bad defensively, but he can do some things offensively. And it's Eric Gordon, and that's it, because Ryan Anderson and Nene have no business playing in this series with the way Golden State plays and all their perimeter guys, and they can't guard anybody on the perimeter, those two guys, at least not well. I mean, Ryan Anderson, a little bit better than, than, than Nene, but you know, his shooting is just, there's no confidence with that. I don't know if it's his ankle. I don't know if it's just, he's not in rhythm, but he just can't get him going. So now the Rockets with all the talk about the depth all year long, this is what everybody was so impressed with Mike D'Antoni. And this is not because Mike D'Antoni is the type of coach he is. It's just what he's left with because he's got three guys that, just don't seem to work either against the Warriors or against anybody because they're not playing well. Well, I will say as far as for like uh, Luke Mabuamute, uh, that he's somebody that, again, I mean, maybe we'll see with a three additional days rest. I mean, I know that that shoulder is not going to, but I mean, the one advantage the Rockets have here for, for both Chris Paul, who, you know, was kind of limping around towards the end of the game. And for uh, uh, Mabuamute is that, uh, you know, you have these extra days and, I think it's more kind of a, a, a confidence thing with Mabu Mute because remember in the Utah series, I remember there was one time when he passed up like a three-point shot because it was wide open, like drove down the baseline and, and got a layup. I mean, he has, he's had some point blank shots. I mean, he can make those. I don't care if you just say if one of your shoulders hurt and go to your other hand, right? Make a layup. I mean, you just have to learn how to kind of do that. It's more, I really feel like it's, it's something, it's more of a confidence issue, which gets back maybe what you were saying before thinking about the injury, thinking about that, and you just can't. You have to be aggressive. you got to focus. you got to concentrate. I mean, I know he's a professional athlete and everything, and maybe that's where uh, Chris Paul or James Harden or Trevor Reza, one of his teammates, can just say, hey, just you know, go there. We still believe in you um, because I think that he's still going to be needed because you never know with, like, foul trouble. We saw that the first game with Trevor Ariza. What, it, especially in Golden State, that's going to be an unfriendly environs with their crowd. And, and like you said, Gerald Green, he, he's great offensively. He can be real uh, 
or he can be a real asset offensively, but he's subpar defensively. Sometimes you're going to need that. If somebody's going off the Warriors, you're going to need that defender out there. And I know you have the trade-off, but I, I really feel that uh, Luke Mabuamutai still has something to give in this series. That's pretty much when he was acquired, when we were looking at him early in the season, this is a perfect guy for Golden State. The other guys you mentioned, like a Ryan Anderson, if he was hitting his shot, he might get some minutes. But this guy, I mean, you know, hey, the one, uh, I guess, bonus we have, right? He'll be shooting at another arena. He doesn't seem to shoot well in Toyota Center. So maybe if he does get a couple of minutes on the floor, he might be able to drain a three. The other thing that you have to look at is what the Rockets are doing defensively. And I don't think this is being talked about enough. Maybe it didn't work real well in the first game because they, they were leaving some guys wide open, some guys on the cut, the, you know, so some guys cutting a basket, easy layups, that sort of stuff. Okay, so they, they fixed a lot of those issues. But to me, I've noticed two things. They're just telling Steph Curry, if you want to drive by us and get a layup, go ahead. We're going to make you make hard layups. Steph Curry uh, may not be the same still coming back from that injury. He, it just doesn't look like he's put his imprint on either one of the first two games. And I'm wondering what Steph Curry has. The other thing, Kevin Durant. Yes, Kevin Durant's gone off in two games. But they're making him make hard shots typically with, guy, with hands in, in his face. They're not letting him shoot a ton of threes. So you're going you're gonna to beat us with twos. We're going to make it hard for you. He's gotten one assist in two games. So basically they're saying, Kevin, if you want to try to beat everybody else uh, by yourself, go ahead. If you want to do LeBron, do that. But we're not going to let you beat, beat us uh, by beating uh, you know, with, with three-point shots. And we're not going to let you beat us by uh, making passes to open guys because we're bringing double teams. If, if you, if you want to go one-on-one and do that, good and and i think it's it's a pretty decent game plan and i really feel like the series is starting if you want to do a magnifying glass into this series and what it's coming down to it's can eric gordon outplay maybe steph curry or maybe clay thompson whoever that third best player is if eric gordon can really get it going and you're not going to get ton from steph curry and the rockets can hold clay thompson in check you know just basically not leave him alone at three point territory which is basically all you have to do because they're they're not trying to post clay thompson up they're not doing much else with him it's basically they're they're going to kevin durant and the rockets are saying we'll live with that yeah i mean that's kind of what you were saying there i really like the defensive intensity that they had in the game yesterday i mean it was as we're recording this a day after of course but for game two the the rockets were i mean they brought that energy you said that uh they had some mismatch in game one and maybe a little lethargy there getting into the series for whatever reason it it wasn't working but uh and i also think trevor ariza going off the floor i mean look this guy's been a defensive stalwart for many years in the nba and he he is always somebody that you know at least is going to do his best to try to especially in the playoffs on the defensive end so uh you know having him having reduced minutes and then Eric Gordon uh, being in a little bit of a shooting funk, you know, once sometimes guys too, once they start hitting shots on, on one end that, you know, it also kind of rubs up on the defensive end and, you know, for both PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon, once you start hitting shots, it really gives you that energy. And we know that with defense, especially in the playoffs, every single possession is important, having that energy, having that intensity. And let's not forget about Clint Capella too, because he's somebody that's always going to be a rim protector. He's going to be able to, you know, in case that, you know, Steph Curry wants to drive, even a Kevin Durant, who's at six foot 11, he's got to look at somebody as, you know, about his own size. If he's going in there, he's going to do something. So I, I think that that's really important too, is, is having that rim protector, having that guy. And, and, and as we saw again, I mean, Clint 
Capella continues to amaze. I mean, even if he's not scoring points, he'll grab rebounds and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll block shots or at least cause shots to be altered. So, I mean, that's very important. I also got to talk about the, the national narrative and how really idiotic I see these national guys. And I'm just not, I'm not talking about just the TNT guys. I see, you know, people with ESPN or, I don't know, even on the ringer, you know, I, I hear somebody say, well, the, the Rockets, they don't have any good individual defenders. You know, there's no good defensive guys after game one. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're going to judge the entire, have you watched any of the games this year? You're telling me Clint Capella and uh, Chris Paul and Maba Mute and PJ Tucker and Trevor Reza are not good defensive players. And then he said, they're, 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 they don't play good team defense. You mean the, the team that was the, the sixth best team defense in the NBA? And even, you know, guys like Tim Legler, all the Rockets do, apparently, according to Tim Legler, uh, that's, this is how they won 65 games this year. Uh, James Harden stands out and dribbles for 20 seconds, and then he takes some incredible shot or he drives or something like that, or, or Chris Paul. I mean, it's all one-on-five with the Rockets, you know, them dribbling out. No, this is not how they won 65 games. They actually do pass the ball around. Other guys do make shots. You know, you, you saw worst-case scenario with the Rockets in game one against Golden State, against uh, one of the best teams in NBA history, playing really well defensively, doing what they do. But the Rockets, they adjusted. I think it was a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors by <laughs> – Mike D'Antoni saying we're not going to change things because there were definitely things that they changed from game to game. But these national guys that just kind of show up and like this is the Rockets narrative after we've seen them play one game against Golden State. And obviously we haven't watched them the rest of the year, even though they are the number one seed coming into the playoffs. They did win the most games in the NBA. They did play better than Golden State, not just by a half a game or a game or two games, but by several games during the season. It just amazes me how little people know. You don't see this in, in baseball so much, RG, because people, I think, actually do look at the statistics. They, when, they, when you go into the playoffs, they do look at the stats and they go, hey, the Astros, they've hit the most home runs in baseball. They've had the least strikeouts in baseball. People can look at stats and go, hey, it's obvious this is what they do. They don't look at the stats. They don't look at the numbers. They don't watch the team before they play. And there's 82 games to watch. And they're on national television all the time. I know. I, I know you get kind of worked up on, about the national announcers and everything, and people do too, and, and getting disrespected. But, I, you know, I just kind of take it with a grain of salt. I mean, they're watching select games, and I mean, uh, uh, I really, really feel like, you know, as far as, you know, they give you kind of like the, the clip note summary, right? You know, it's like they don't, they don't give you the real in-depth. They give you kind of what their just quick thoughts are on a, on, a, on a game or two that they watch or if they've been watching the playoffs and watching the Rockets at select moments. And like you said, they could look at the stats and, and go back to that and, and try to – or look at the tape. But, I mean, these are national announcers, and they're there to make kind of like – I mean, I, I, I enjoy – I know you, you get upset with Charles Barkley, tears your hair out there when you hear making comments about the Rockets, but I actually kind of laugh at it. I find it humorous. You know, I mean, I find a lot of these things – kind of humorous and I think if you just keep winning if you keep playing good basketball and then they kind of discover oh well that one game game one was an aberration that's not how the Rockets are all the time well yeah you'll start to discover that because I mean this team won 65 games it's a very good basketball team they do all the things well isn't typical like somebody watching would just say oh Mike D'Antoni he can't coach defense 
right? That's a standard thing. And, you know, you'll still hear that. Oh, it's like the Rockets aren't a good defensive team. Look at how easy and wide open the shots were in game one. Well, they made defensive adjustments. We were just talking about in game two. It's a different team with Mike D'Antoni. So, I mean, again, National, they're going to do things for sound bites. They're going to do things for clickbait, you know, so just get used to it. The Rockets go to Golden State. It's going to be difficult if you're going to play seven guys because you got three games over five days. The Rockets could throw out, you know, the six or seven players, basically seven players that they played most of game two because you had four days off between that. I, I really feel, RG, that, there's a real good chance that the Rockets can at least get one of two, and you and you just got to get one of two. They come back to Houston for game five at that point. If they take care of business, worst-case scenario, game seven at Toyota Center. But, you know, I, I, I feel like the Rockets have got a shot going into every game, obviously, with the way they've played all year. And I, I do see some holes in this in this Golden State team. I do see some holes, like, wondering how Steph Curry is. Yeah, yeah. Chris Paul might have got hurt. You know, Steph Curry, not looking great either. I think that's the big thing because Steph Curry is not the Steph Curry that we've seen in previous years. Obviously, he still uh, is dealing with the injury that he had earlier in the at the end of the regular season that carried into the playoffs. And so, you know, he's not getting the, the lift on his jump shot. Uh, he's, you know, not making the threes that, that he normally would be sinking. So, I mean, the Rockets maybe – there's a little bit of advantage there, but again, we're the Rockets are getting three days rest uh, before this next game, game three on Sunday, and and the Warriors are too. So we'll see how uh, Steph Curry comes out, and the, of course, and the Warriors are going to play better in front of their home crowd. And one thing I just want to say on that is, remember when we were talking about pre, pre uh, beginning the series, we said, hey, look, you know, it almost never goes to script. Even Mike D'Antoni said this in the press conference after game one. Right? It's very rare that a series goes. The home team wins two games, and the, the then they uh, you know go on the road, and and that home team wins two games, and then you alternate, you go to a seventh game or whatever. I mean, very rarely happens that way. Like teams steal one game, and now it's the Rockets' turn to steal a game. I mean, I think that Golden State's one of the toughest places to play. They're they're going to be you know jazzed to play at home, but the Rockets have won there. They won there earlier this year, or excuse me, early to begin the season, right? So they have a at least a win over there. They know that they can do it, and I think once you know you having this win where they dominated kind of Golden State, especially in the second half, and to where Golden State you know basically waved the white flag at the end of the game. I think it really has to give the confidence to the Rockets that there's a way, there's a recipe to beating Golden State. And they can beat them on their home floor. And and like what you said earlier, it just gets back to – that's why I think they're also going to be some key con- contributors because we know with home court, there's going to be – Golden State's going to get some calls, right? So there's liable to be a, a, guy, a rocket or two in foul trouble, which means you're going to have to go deeper to your bench. I'm not – thinking that they'll be able to go with, you know, six and a half, seven guys or, or whatever. My, Mike D'Antoni is going to have to find somebody else. And maybe somebody else can bring magic off the bench that we're not thinking about now. It could be Luke Mabuamuta. Like I said, could still be that guy. could be Ryan Anderson. It could be somebody else that we're not thinking about right now who comes in and gives the team a jolt. But I, I think that especially on the road, you need to be able to have kind of, uh, you know, especially with uh, potential foul trouble, uh, you know, have that deeper bench. That's where the Rockets have, like you said, that's where their uh, excellence has been this season. Way back, I guess, the last day of August, the Astros traded for Justin Verlander. These numbers will amaze you. Pretty good deal so far. 21 games, 20 starts. Uh, he is 14-3. and three. The team is 16-5 and five in games 
that he's played in 1.36 ERA, 0.72 whip, uh, 156 batting average against, 165 strikeouts, 27 walks. Uh, this year, his ERA just a little bit over one. Uh, just you're absolutely seeing a, a renaissance of a guy that was already uh, likely a lock cinch Hall of Famer. And then he caps it on Wednesday night against the Angels. I mean, caps it recently, I should say, with a shutout, complete game shutout, RG. The Justin Verlander that we're seeing this year, you know, I, I, I was excited about the trade. I think we were all excited about the trade. None of us could have dreamed what we would have seen from Justin Verlander and what he's been able to do in an Astros uniform. And you forgot to mention, you usually would mention, throw that in, that Kate Epton was also part of the deal too, his wife. So uh, anyway, I was just uh, kidding with you there. But uh, yeah, I mean, the guy has been incredible. I, I heard on MLB Network where they were talking about, is this the greatest trade in history already? You know, I mean, that's almost going overboard. But what, for what uh, Justin Verlander, look, he already delivered a, a World Series for the Astros because hey, the Astros rode his back. And I know that in the World Series that, you know, he he wasn't quite as as stellar there. I mean, he still gave you great efforts and uh, the Astros ended up winning the World Series in seven games. But I mean, he put the team on his back with uh, several of his outings to get to the World Series. And I mean, he's just been phenomenal during the regular season here. He's almost unhittable now. Like you said, I mean, just the Having, you know, right now, just that and those incredible statistics, I mean, his pitching where he's got a 105 ERA and we're two months into the season, you know, I, I mean, the guy has five wins. I mean, he should have more. He shouldn't have any losses at all, really. Uh, you know, his whip is is 0.71. I mean, that's just incredible. So, I mean, you have all these I mean, he's just putting up kind of even for fantasy numbers, these would be just. Uh, totally incredible. I just think how many points you'd be racking up. I mean, that, that yeah, Justin Verlander, he's been, and he also is just anchoring the rotation. And once you have a guy like that, we've seen it in the past when you have like a Roger Clemens pitching this way, or you have a Nolan Ryan pitching this way, or a Mike Scott or a J.R. Richard, it kind of, the other staff members feed off of it. You can see Garrett, Garrett Cole coming over. I, I mean, how well he's pitched, Charlie Morton. I mean, they all look at Justin Verlander, Lance McCullers, Dallas Keuchel, whomever. They look at this guy. He's a horse. He's already in his 30s, a well-established career, and look how hard he works. He's going out there giving you, a, like you mentioned, a shutout, a uh, complete game shutout on the road against a team that's second place in the division right now, right up against the Astros. I mean, just a truly phenomenal effort. Everybody made a big deal about his 25th hundred career strikeout, strikes out Shohei Otani, but... Nolan Ryan kind of giggles under his breath. Uh, that's nice, but you're still 2,714 uh, strikeouts behind me, big boy. Uh, so that, that's not even half of Nolan Ryan. Hey, but Justin Verlander has mentioned that he's, he's kind of like what you brought up once, too. He wants to pitch until he's 45. Maybe he's only 50, so he might be the guy to do it. All right. How about this one? Uh, he, he throws the complete game shutout. It feels like we just saw Loch Ness Monster and props to A.J. Hinch for uh, the, the bravery these days, I guess it is to, to leave him out here. I guess maybe the bravery was he kept uh, turning his head over and seeing Ken Giles in the bullpen and said, well, maybe we'll just leave him in for one more uh, batter. But RG, how many shutouts do you think Nolan Ryan pitched in his career? Any guess? Is it, let's say, is it greater or less than 38? 
I would think it'd be greater with his because he had a lot of like one hitters over the course of his career. I, you know, I, but then again, like shutouts are still hard to come by shutouts. Tell me 61 career shutout. So yeah, pretty ridiculous. And you know, Houston sports talk, if nothing else, uh, you know, I got to switch gears because if nothing else, we do nothing but light a fire under the Astros. Uh, last week we were going after Evan Gaddis, or at least I was going after Evan Gaddis specifically. And, and he's been great since, uh, since that time. Uh, I went after Altuve. I called him lazy. I've said he's getting fat and lazy. Of course, I was joking around. But lo and behold, all of a sudden, he gets out of his slump. He gets it rolling. And then we talked about, can you send Jake Marisnik down? Is that going to happen? Could that happen? And sure enough, uh, almost the, within like a little over 24 hours later, RG, uh, Jake Marisnik is sent down. Tony Kemp brought up. And Tony Kemp. Sure enough, he goes one for three. And you talk, I remember you talking to Tony Kemp. It, was, it seems like it's been ages ago because he's been up and down and so much with the Astros, but I guess it's only been about four years ago we talked to Tony Kemp. Right. I mean, when he was down at, uh, yeah, in minor league baseball there at Lancaster, he kind of was beginning his career, but uh, his professional career, I should say. Yeah. I mean, I think that these changes were, were necessary. Look, I mean, Jake, Jake Marisic's really been struggling at the plate. I mean, he just doesn't even have a, he, can't find himself at the plate. And even AJ Hinge said he needs to go down and kind of rediscover his swing, needs to get consistent at bats. Because uh, he just completely looks lost up there and, and just has too many strikeouts. And then you have somebody like Evan Gaddis. At least he's a veteran, you know, over the course of his career. You just wonder if that trajectory, is, is, is it going down? Is it going down steeply? Uh, fortunately, he's been able to reverse that over the last week. I give him a lot of credit. I mean, he's been he's been giving you the home runs. That's what you need from that spot. You need his power. You need him to give you the big swings. Because uh, I mean, really, Evan Gaddis at batting eighth or ninth in a lineup that should be a luxury. The guy should be able to you know hit twenty to twenty five home runs uh, during the course of a season. Give you that power from the DH spot and RBIs. It wasn't too long ago that he led the team in RBIs. So uh, yeah, I think getting power production from that stick if, if i mean if, again if he's kind of s- it sinks back to where he's just not giving you the home runs the power and he has a low batting average and striking out then something might need to be done but again give him total credit he's playing well right now and yeah i do like the addition of tony uh kemp to the roster because he adds contact he already had a base hit in the, in the game against the angels when verlano was pitching the last game of the series off of garrett richards so he gives you that kind of flexibility, and if he gets on base, he, he offers you speed. You know, I, I just like having that kind of mix and match in the lineup where you can – I know it's kind of like old baseball and, and these days with analytics and put the powers in power hitters in there, and it's either a home run or a strikeout, right, for a lot of teams. But I like having that guy in there, you know, uh, who can get on base, who can steal a base, who can, who can make things happen, especially, you know, setting up for – the Springers, the Altuve, the Correa, the Bregman, you know, they're all up at the top of the order. So uh, the Gurriel. So, I mean, you have you have a guy like Tony Kemp. You can put him in and get production out of that spot where you're not putting somebody up there batting one, you know, 75 or the, around the Mendoza line. But a guy that can actually hit, you know, 270, 280, maybe can have an on base percentage of, you know, between 350 and 400. Yeah. You know, that that's what that would be kind of ideal. So, uh, you know, um uh, that's just kind of my thoughts there on that. And I don't know what you think uh, as far as like going forward here. I mean, the Astros have a tough schedule, um, but uh, I really do think that the lineup, uh, you know, they kind of like slug had a difficulty for the first part of the season, but I just see those guys reverting back to normal and, 
and kind of stringing together some offensive success because they've really been below par. Yeah, let, let me get a guy that they, they need to light a fire. We need to light a fire under this guy next. And been great defensively. I mean, he's throwing out guys left and right. You can't say enough about what he does defensively. He's, he's spidey out in right field. But Josh Reddick, I mean, you know, you expected some of these guys not to have the career years that they had last year, not to be able to keep it up. Marwin Gonzalez, we talked about him in previous podcasts, but, you know, we, we mentioned Josh Reddick before, but, you know, I just, I've forgotten what a huge, you know, year he had last year. He hit close to, I think it was around like 316 or in that neighborhood. And he's now at 228. He's dropped a hundred points nearly off of his average. And this is a guy that career wise, you could sort of depend, you could write in RG's 270, 280, they got to get him going. They got to get Reddick going. Yeah, as far as for or what he did last year, you're right. I mean, he was uh, he batted 314 last year, and his um, OPS was uh, 847. I mean, that's a really good OPS too. So uh, he's really been struggling uh, th- this season. And it, uh, but it's again, that's somebody who's a veteran though. That the Astros. I mean, he, look, he also plays good defense, so they're going to leave him in there for that. But you you eventually have to hit, but. You know, he's going to have to uh, bring up his production. You know, I, I, again, like you, not expecting him to hit 314 again, not expecting him to even hit 300, but to have a batting average that's 228 uh, currently as we're recording this. I mean, he needs to bring it up, like you said, 260 to 270 and, and give you some pop, which he will. Uh, I, I mean, again, I, I think that, you know, a lot of these guys, they're, they're not playing up to their usual. I mean, even Altuve, we were mentioning the other day, He's, you know, his average now, 311, what is, I think that's what it is after the game or, or somewhere around, or 309, excuse me, uh, you know, heading into this weekend series. Uh, you know, he's somebody that doesn't have the same number of extra base hits that he did last year in his MVP season. So, I mean, all if you look up and down the lineup, Evan Gaddis not giving the same production, you know, so far this season until recently, you know, where, like you said, he kind of broke out of things. Uh you have all these guys, Bregman's a slow starter. So it's just the Astros, there's at least you can see there's some upside that can come out of the lineup here. At the same time, I mean, with the pitching staff, they've been so stellar. You know that they're going to have to, there's going to be some regression to the mean right there. They're not going to be able to put up these type of numbers all season, although we would love to see it. So you're in your, you know, you're going to have to get contribution, but you, you feel like at least, you know, by resting the bullpen, getting these complete games. I mean, look, the Astros didn't have to tax their bullpen. In, in the series with the Angels, uh, you know, uh, getting a complete game shutout. I mean, that's kind of been typical throughout the year. Their starters are going deep. So that can be a help in the long run. And then uh, we, we, as we've mentioned that, you know, after these first couple of months of the season, during the summer, you start to see activity, whether at the trading deadline or calling up guys who are producing at AA and AAA. So there'll be those options too. So if guys aren't producing, the Astros are out there to win a championship. And I like this. And I'm, people listening probably like this too, that Jim Crane and Jeff Luno, they want to win a championship. They aren't there to, you know, get another bouquet of roses. They aren't there to... You know, uh, okay, let's just fill up the ballpark and be satisfied with that. No, they want to win championships. They want trophies. They want to raise banners. So I, I mean, they're they're not going to be content with just you know having a, a productive enough lineup in the pitching there that's good enough. They want to win a World Series. That means beating the Yankees. That means beating the Red Sox, beating the Indians, the Angels, the Mariners, whomever you know you want to put out there, and uh, and that's what's good, you know, to come out and win a pennant in the American League and get back to the World Series. Quick trivia question for you. Let me see how good your Astros knowledge is, RG. 
who threw the Astros' first franchise no-hitter? Was it uh, Don Wilson? You got the first name right. The first no-hitter was actually thrown 55 years ago today, May 17th, by... Was that Don Nottabart? Yeah, Don Nottabart. They were the Colt 45s at the time. He beat the Phillies 4-1. to one. An error led to the only one run that scored. Uh, so that's why it was 4-1. to one. It was a, an error-unearned run. But Nottabart, interesting uh, career, not, not just with the Astros, but finished his career through his last pitch uh, to the legend, Roberto Clemente. And uh, wh- why is Don Nottabart... Why is that name important in our lives, RG? You want to tell that the people out there? Uh, you can go ahead. You can go ahead and tell that. Was it was it his son that we used to have as a, our coach in high school? Is that right? I think so. Right. It, yeah. yeah, Bob Dottabart, his son, was our coach, and actually, when we were at Strike Jesuit, he coached for fourteen. I think it was fourteen years at Strike Jesuit, coached the baseball team there, won three state championships, and uh, the reason I believe. Why we first met was because we were both uh, in his gym class. Is, am I getting that right? Is that, isn't that when we first met each other in, in his gym class? Wow, you have a better memory than I do about that. I don't remember that sort of stuff. I try to block out some stuff from high school, right? Now. <laughs> uh, no, it was, yeah, I think that that was probably the gym class with, uh, yeah, not a Bart. So now, a strange kind of connection to the Astros there. But uh, also, I wanted to mention, too, before we kind of uh, close out here what did you think of the suspension of Robbie Cano we didn't talk about that on the the last show but I mean the Seattle Mariners and the Astros division that was kind of big news around baseball Uh, I mean another like supposed even though he's saying diuretic and for medical purposes it could be a masking agent for PEDs what what do you think and what does that do to the Mariners and should the fans of Seattle be really upset here they had a real chance to like go to the playoffs this year I mean they still do but, I mean, you lose kind of like the, you know, a centerpiece of your team. Well, a couple of things with Robinson Cano is, you know, he's a guy that was kind of in that same sort of uh, grouping, I guess, with Alex Rodriguez and some of the guys with the Yankees that got themselves in trouble. Some people thought that he might have been involved in, with that to begin with. Uh, so maybe that that's all coming to uh, fruition, what, what a lot of people thought at the time. The other thing that was interesting is Verlander went after him on Twitter uh, basically uh, saying, oh, here's the excuse in three, two, one. That that was the tweet. But then, you know, the thing about Twitter is it never forgets. And everybody reminded uh, us that Verlander took, uh, he took the side of uh, his uh, teammate back when he was uh, suspended in Detroit. I think it was Johnny Peralta. Yeah, it was Johnny Peralta. You know, it's it's good for the Astros, I guess. I, I mean, I I don't know about you, RG. I went. I'm not real concerned about the Mariners. Should I be? I'm, I'm more. I was more concerned about the Angels, and uh, in, in the division anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I'm more concerned about the Angels too because just how sensational Shohei Otani's been, and just kind of uh, to talk about uh, a guy that you know will, will change kind of your your war, right? Uh, and then also Mike Trout and. You know, and I feel like the Angels can go out and get uh, some additional help for their team to come the trading deadline, which they will be doing. But, I mean, I still think the Astros are the best team in this division. They should win it. Pitching wins. They have an extraordinary pitching staff. Uh, Again, we kind of detailed that. But I I do think the Mariners, I mean, they were kind of an interesting team. They were getting off to a good start. I mean, the former Astros got service, right, doing a good job managing the team up there. I just think it's a real blow when your best – 
player, essentially, or at least a cornerstone franchise player. I mean, I know they have some other really top players up there, too. But when he goes down with that type of and is going to be lost and not eligible for the postseason. So you already have to wonder, I mean, what can they do? Because that Seattle team under Jerry Depoto, they've been really trying to make the playoffs. They've had the longest uh, drought in Major League Baseball being out of the playoffs since that 2001, that great team. That's the last time they were in the playoffs. I mean, it's been a long time, 17 years since Seattle's been in the playoffs. So, I mean, they're trying to do anything. For them, getting into the wild card spot would be a great achievement. So they're not going to give up on that. I, I just think that, you know, you, you definitely it definitely suffers a blow when you know one of your top players, especially a superstar, kind of the franchise guy up there in Seattle, uh, is suspended for uh, performance-enhancing drugs and gone for 80 games and not eligible for the postseason right oh yeah that's definitely the case and astros will take it you know hopefully we don't say haha and then some, something happens to one of the astros players i i don't well, want to... in baseball do you even know anymore it's just like does anything surprise you if they say it about anybody so that's why you can just never i mean it's almost like oh okay i mean nobody is going to surprise you anymore unless they were to go back and say you know like retroactively oh like uh, 1947 somebody or 1933 or 1912 was taking something i mean it just doesn't you don't know and stuff like that but I, I'm, I'm being facetious there but i mean anybody that's playing today after all that we've been through and all the kind of uh, stuff that's happened i mean it really isn't as i mean you you kind of drop drop your jaw initially there when when it happened then it's like oh yeah well i mean that's just the way that the game is it's just like we we now are suspicious of everybody and that's kind of unfortunate you like to have that kind of innocence you'd like love to watch baseball and, and not have to think about that but uh, you know uh, i mean that can sometimes that's what can sometimes take the luster off the game, and which is why that baseball's tried to clean up the sport. Because you mean you go back and look at how much fun everybody had when Sosa and McGuire, and now you look back on it, geez, how were we fooled by that for so long? So it's kind of like the cynicism now that comes with any kind of like PED result. It's like with somebody, but still, I mean, there, are, you know, you don't want to see your top players like a Robinson Cano. Or, uh, you know, the guys that are marketing the brand of baseball, you want to be able to believe and see these players who are playing so well, you know, that they, they're doing it naturally. Although, again, we know that there are going to be cheaters out there. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Scott Service, a former Astro managing the Mariners, one of four Astros, last I checked, managing in baseball, four Astros players, Aaron Boone, Kevin Cash with the Rays, Bruce Bochy with the Giants. It was actually five uh, well, Boone just became the Yankees, but it could have been five if, if Brad Osmus was still managing. And, and all those guys, except one of the players that I mentioned, I uh, played catcher for the Astros. So keep an eye out for Brian McCann, maybe a future Astros manager somewhere. Rockets going to win game three. What's your prediction? Yes or no? My prediction would be Golden State wins, but I really feel like the Rockets can win one of the two games there. So I guess if you were asking me, game three goes to Golden State, game four to the Rockets makes it a winner. Kind of like really amps up the series for a game five in Houston, doesn't it? Well, I'd be happy with uh, best two out of three. That That would be Fantastic. Thanks for doing this, RG. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, if we don't talk to you again, we'll definitely catch up again next week and, and uh, get you some more post games on these on these Rocket playoff series. It's been, been fun. Thanks again for listening. And if you're new to the show, subscribe to Houston Sports Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. If you have an Android device, download our free Houston Sports Talk app. You can keep up with this show and my daily Locked On Texans podcast on Twitter and Facebook or by going to HoustonSportsTalk.net 
or LockedOnTexans.com.